Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was really, really nervous. I thought... Yara might freak out, maybe too many people, but she seems happy. Jolie, pay attention to beach. Watching Yara and Jovi together, I could see that um, look in their eye. They're really in love. I hate you. I hate you. I'm really happy for them. They're good. I was worried, but I think they're going to be fine. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Married at First Sight, and a little bit Sister Wives edition. Oh, Lord. I hate to say it, like, I'm really slogging through, like, I, it's embarrassing how long it took me to watch this episode of 90 Day Fiance. Like, I'm not into it, you guys. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't think I can do it anymore. Unless they come up with, like, an all-star cast of people, like, I, ugh. I can't, but I'm going to try to, like, I probably shouldn't intro the episode by saying how much I hate doing these now, because <laughs> gonna, we're going to try. We're going to try and be light and bright and get through it in a way that's, like, entertaining and not the worst. Better than actually watching it, right? Let's start off with Brandon and Julia, because I thought this whole thing was bullshit and really not worth talking about. They get to share a bedroom now. We didn't see them last week. And, you know, it's (laughs) their whole storyline is like a will they, won't they of whether or not uh, Julia is pregnant this episode. First of all, we know she's not. So really, like, this is why a lot of people will contact me and it's no shade to you guys to ask me if I want spoilers and stuff. And personally, like, even if I'm 
not recapping a show, I never really want spoilers because if I am recapping the show, it makes it a lot harder to talk about things in a present time. But, and so that's why like a lot of the times, you know, there are other podcasts that'll give scoops and spill tea and do spoilers and stuff like that's why I don't do them. Just, I just don't want to hear it. But, um, even if I'm, you know, it just takes it out of me. Like knowing what happens in the present time or, you know, after filming, like it just really takes it out for me. I, I don't know. I've never really been able to understand how people can enjoy watching a show when they know what's going to happen, but that's neither here nor there. So we see Brandon and Julia driving in the car Julia puts the window down and says that she's been sick all day and that she feels like she's going to throw up. And it just seemed so blatantly obvious that they were coming up with a storyline or maybe Brandon specifically, or maybe the producers are like, let's milk this situation because nothing that happens. It's so illogical that Betty and Ron, Ron in particular, were the ones making sense. And that shouldn't be. Something in the, the shift in the force is making things go off balance here. And and Julia too. I won't say that. It it really was just Brandon. It really was just Brandon. So she's like hinting towards like, you know, maybe I'm pregnant, blah blah blah. You know, I did I was sick one morning. I threw up. I was nauseous. So God, could I be pregnant? We all know that Brandon and Julia love to, you know, hit it raw, fuck a condom. She doesn't want to put, uh, or she can't, um, be on the pill. So they're just like out there relying on Brandon's pullout game. So instead of doing the thing that makes clearly the most sense, Brandon is now on a mission to tell his parents that, Julia might be pregnant instead of, I don't know, taking a pregnancy test to be sure first. <laughs> the fact that like, not to put it on her because he was rather persistent, but why are we acting like this doesn't make any, like, why would you do that? Why would anybody do that? Like his argument is, you know, my parents need to be involved and whatever, it just feels like they're really trying to milk this like unhealthy relationship between Brandon and his parents. And like, that doesn't need to be milked. That's clear. <laughs> like what we see that's really happening between them is enough. I don't need any more dysfunction. So they go outside to have their little after or their evening, you know, glass of a red blend and chill uh, Ron pulls out the Jenga and Brandon is like, okay, I, can we take a pause for a second? I need to tell you guys something. Um, you know, I just want you to know that Julia's sick or she was sick in the morning. She had a sickness in the morning. Betty looks like she's about to have a total meltdown. And Ron, like I said, is the only one who's making sense. He's like, why didn't you guys take a test before you told us that so you would be sure? I mean, there's really like nothing to talk about here. <laughs> She's not pregnant. 
She takes a test. She pisses in a red Solo cup. Dips the pregnancy test in. She finds out it's not. She tries to make jokes with him about like, oh, Brandon, what does two line mean? And he, you know, he's like, no, no, stop that. And she was joking. She starts laughing. She doesn't want to have a kid right now. And she also is like, you know, I really didn't want to tell Betty and Ron because they already know how we feel about birth control and they, I just don't want them to feel like this is a, a situation in which they feel entitled to being more uh, strict and controlling about what we do. Right. Exactly. So I just feel like she should have put her foot down more. Like, I don't know. I don't know what else they could have talked about. Like, that Bijan, not Bijan Frise, but the, the um, Brussels, Brussels Griffon that they're a pet milling, puppy milling. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was just stupid. Like, I wrote this whole thing, but it was just stupid. And so they find out that they're not expecting. They get Betty and Ron out. The only thing that I found interesting was that Betty and Ron came out of that bedroom and it was pitch black. And Betty seemed quite flushed. And it seemed like maybe there had been a little give on those tight, hard, hairsprayed curls of hers. So I don't know if we were, they were interrupting their like a little freaky time. I, you know, I don't know. Who knows? That was it. I mean, Brandon was like milking it and he's like, well, we took the test. And Betty's like, no, 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 you're not. No, you're not. Brandon, no, you're not. He wasn't. They're not pregnant. So that's it. <laughs> Ron did get re weird again. And he was like, Julia, you need to look me in the eye and tell me the truth. Are you pregnant? And it's like, sir, calm the fuck down. Like, I know you were just trying to get your nut with Betty a few minutes ago, but like, take a breath. Take a breath. Okay. That was it. Boring. So, so boring. Another boring couple that I wrote a ton of notes about. And then now I don't really want to talk about them. Mike and Natalie. Ugh. go home Natalie go home Roger like I I'm sorry like I just don't have any sympathy or really empathy for this situation except for one moment so Natalie is like coming off of therapy she says she's surprised that Mike has said that he doesn't love her and I'm like why <laughs> I don't know why you would be surprised at that at all she booked some individual therapy you know online therapy for herself and she's telling the lady oh here's something interesting she was telling the lady more about this situation so we found out during their season's tell-all that natalie basically accused mike of possibly cheating on her because there was a night where his best friend sarah was getting married the next day and he told natalie that he was going to be spending the night at the home with Sarah and her fiance, soon to be husband, and come to find out the next day, Natalie realizes that the fiance husband was not there. He was alone with Sarah. She found that to be very sketchy, which is fair. And since then, she has not been able to trust him. So the more the more we hear about the story, the more I'm like, yeah, I get it, girl. So she says. <clears throat> Basically, what some of it was a little bit confusing, but what I was assuming that she was saying was that 
Mike at first told her that he was going to be spending the night with his aunt at his aunt's house. And then he FaceTimes her the next day. He's on the couch, half naked. I'm assuming his shirt was off. And she hears in the background, oh, I'm about to take a shower. She's like, at that point, I realize that's not his aunt. That's this chick. And she's like, he's sitting there. He's stoned, (laughs) half naked on this chick's couch. The husband who was supposed to be there is not there. Like, it's all the makings of a bad situation. It doesn't sound right. And I get that. I don't think that's an unfair assumption that she made. So the counselor is like, okay, well, what's the deal with them? Like, were they dating before? Do they have a romantic past? And Natalie's like, honestly, I don't know. The only thing I know is that they used to live together. And he told me that they lived together for quite some time. But I don't know the extent of their relationship, really. He never told me that. So the counselor was on Natalie's side. She's like, I get why you would feel that way. And if they had a romantic past, then I definitely understand why you would be upset. You should talk to Mike about this. And Natalie is like, that's a great idea. (laughs) As if it never occurred to Natalie this entire time to actually have like a one-on-one adult to adult conversation with him about this situation. Now, that's wild to me. It sounds like maybe what she's doing is she's just gone to accusal mode and he has just said like, you know, deny, 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 and that's it. But they hadn't really had like a real talk about this. So they decide to have this conversation and she's sitting on the couch. They're both in the living room and Natalie's like, can we talk? And he's like, yeah. She's like, were you telling me the truth about Sarah? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> he rolls his eyes. He's like so over her. I don't understand why he just It's it's almost seeming like those situations when people don't want to be the quote-unquote bad guy and so they push the other person out so they don't have to do the, you know, dirty work of breaking up with somebody that they can get out of the situation with their hands clean because that other person left of their own volition. <sighs> this is stupid to me. <laughs> really, really stupid because clearly like he does not like being around her. He doesn't want to be in a relationship with her. He doesn't even think he's in a relationship with her. (laughs) And so it's just this Ukrainian woman in your home that you don't, you can't even make eye contact with. Like, I don't understand. Is it production who's saying we have this whole season to film? Because otherwise it just doesn't make sense to me. So she's really trying to have this conversation, but he's over it. And he's like, we've gone over this time and time again. Like, I don't understand why it's still, you know, why you keep bringing up old shit, right? And, you know, me and Sarah, like, brother and sister, it's never been anything like that. Like, I insist that I don't do, didn't do anything like like that. And Natalie is like, okay, if I was FaceTiming you, calling you from a guy's house, I was half naked and I was stoned, you really wouldn't like that and you wouldn't trust me either. And, you know you've been lying and you've been cheating and it's a problem for me and I can't stand it. Mike says that she's making things up and that she's the most jealous person alive. And 
you know, I can't even go to a restaurant and order from a woman. And once we leave, then you're interrogating me. And it's this whole big thing. And Natalie's like, you know, I was never jealous with my ex-husband because he never gave me a reason to be jealous. But you have. You've given me so many reasons. And she insisted it's true that he was lying. Mike was lying. And then she says... It's just funny that you would, you know, cheat on me because I'm so much, I'm like way more beautiful than you. But then I would never do that to you. <laughs> See, this is like, why did you have to go there, girl? You didn't have to say that. And frankly, like, between us girlfriends, I think that they're probably equal. Like, nah, Natalie doesn't, I mean, Natalie wouldn't do anything for me anyway because I'm heterosexual. But just like, I don't feel like she's significantly more attractive than Mike. Even if she was, that's not something that you say, ma'am. Um, so Mike says, you know, you're beautiful, but you're also ugly on the inside, basically. It's like, give us free. Let us all be free from the chains of this relationship. And, you know, he's like, you're basically ignoring me and we're not working on our issues and you don't care about me and it's the same thing over and over again. And I'm tired of talking about that. And it's like, me too, Mike, but we're on the same page about that. He tells Natalie, she's always living in the past and you know, I've tried, but I'm just not ready to marry you. This is where they're both at fault, right? Like he's not really saying these things until he's pissed at her. And then she doesn't believe that he's really feeling that way because this is all like a heat of the moment thing. Because when she's saying, I'm doing hot girl shit and you're ugly, and he's saying, I don't like you, she thinks that it's the same thing. Now, it's not on him. It's, they're both, they're both wrong and stupid and immature. Neither of them need to be in a relationship and they definitely don't need to be marrying one another. Um, so they, next scene, they're out by this like beautiful lake. Natalie wants to have a conversation and she says, you know, what happened last night, we weren't communicating with each other in a healthy manner. And I don't want to have that be like a pattern for us. Like we're going to continue doing this relationship that we're not in, um, we can't continue to communicate like that. And Mike is like, I'm totally with you. And, you know, like says, Natalie says, you know, trust is really important. And I think we should go to the counselor again. And Mike's like, I will not be doing that. <laughs> I think you should go to counseling for yourself. <laughs> Why are you here, Mike? What are we doing? So, Ugh, it's just so stupid. <laughs> Natalie makes several points. I'm like, finally, because I've been screaming about this this whole time against Mike. So finally, she's like saying the right things. Like, if you're going to fight him and you clearly want to, then at least fight about something that makes sense. And finally, she did. So she starts off by saying, you know, um, I need you to help me. And I would feel a lot more secure if I had my ring back. This is not the part that I agree with her on, by the way. I understand why she feels that way, but I think it's like 
she thinks that that little, you know, cubic zirconia is going to save their whole relationship. And it's not. It's not. I understand why you think that that is going to make you feel more secure. But that's, it's, it isn't. It's, <laughs> it's going to be a nice, pretty thing to look at when you guys fight again. Mike then says, like, well, if you wanted that ring so bad, you shouldn't have taken it off. <laughs> but, I mean, it wouldn't change anything. But, that, you know, fair. That was fair. She says, you know, I think you're really doing this. Like, you're basically getting off on being withholding. And I think you're doing these things intentionally. And I feel like you're trying to hurt me. And I feel manipulated. And the question of the season if you weren't ready for all of this commitment, why did you invite me to America? Thank you. Now we've said it. So then she asks, like, so we're not engaged. And he's like, no. <laughs> and so she's like, you know, I left my country for you. I'm out here in the wood. Okay. I'm out here cooking and cleaning for you. I, you know, you eat my food. And you fuck me. So if you really don't want to be in a relationship with me, why am I here? Right? And he's like, well... And then she says, like, you know, I feel like I'm a toy, but I'm a human being. And I feel like you're basically holding this whole America thing over my head. And you could pull the plug at any moment. And I just don't know where I'm at. And he's like, gosh, you really sound like... You feel like you're a slave. And she's like, I do. (laughs) You should have never brought me here if this is how you were really feeling. And so he pouts and he walks off and he's like, oh, she's just like one thing after another. But it's like, no, this is a part that you need to be listening to. But like he's past the point, like he does not want to have these conversations. He doesn't want to have any conversation with her. And he's at the point where like he's stopped being rational. Like He'll say, yeah, let's have a conversation and we should be having a conversation. But we never see him initiate the conversation on his end. It seems like he feels like everything in their relationship that is wrong is because of her. And that's not true. It it just simply isn't true. He had no business bringing her over here when he knew that he was not ready to continue to be in a relationship with her. And she does have kind of a point of, yeah, you're here on a fiance visa. So if we're not engaged, then why did you bring me here? We're not in a relationship. So why am I here under the guise of an engagement visa? Lock him up, (laughs) frankly. (laughs) Kamala, hear my cry. Send this man to jail. Send this man to jail. So... How is it so easy that that um she can come over here? She's not even dating this dude. And Michael of Angela and Michael still over there in Nigeria. And he can't come to Georgia. Mm-mm-mm. So his his Natalie's like doing this whole like I'm going to stand by the shore of the lake and look out at the great beyond and cry. And the producer is asking her, like, what do you think you're going to be doing in the next few weeks? Because you only have a few weeks left on this visa. She's like, I don't know. Maybe I'll go home. And that was it with them. That was it. Uh, Tariq and Hazel, nothing. 
<laughs> nothing to talk about. Basically, they're still fine. They're in quarantine, they're in lockdown, but they're totally fine. They're happy. Hazel just wants some pussy, basically. <laughs> so they sit down, they pour themselves some Moscato, and they get on the FaceTime with Tariq's friend, Angela. And she's like, how are you guys doing in lo- quarantine, in lockdown? And Hazel's like, we're great, except I want a girlfriend. Angela assumes that this girlfriend thing is Tariq's idea. And so Angela's response to this is, girl, don't let him talk you into getting a girlfriend if that's not what you want. And Tariq is like, no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Then he says in a confessional, the reason why a lot of my friends don't know, or any of my friends don't know about this girlfriend situation is because of this exact reason is that everybody's going to assume that I'm the one that's pushing this threesome thing when it's really Hazel, right? And so Hazel does say, first she kind of like, she didn't mean to tell Angela that she wanted a girlfriend, but then it was like too late for that, right? And so she's like, no, 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 this is my idea. And Angela's like, okay, but y'all just need to be careful about bringing a third person into the situation because that can get very messy very quickly. And, you know, we don't really consider about what an outside relationship can do to the one that's already formed. That was it. That was it. Moving on to uh, Rebecca and Ziad. I cannot take Rebecca. I cannot, like, I'm an insecure woman enough on my own. Like, I don't need to be saddled with the burden of the (laughs) huge 18-wheeler truck of insecurities that Rebecca has. Like, it's, like, exhausting to watch. (laughs) I can't carry this. And we shouldn't have to be. We shouldn't have to do it. (sighs) Lord. So, Rebecca's still reeling from the fact that they went down to the Buffalo Wild Wings the night before, and Rebecca put herself in the situation of hanging out with people who are significantly younger than you. And then, on top of that, the situation of um, the fact that you know, her daughter, who she was hanging out with, brought friends her daughter's age. And one of those friends happened to be marginally attractive. And the fact that that marginally attractive woman dared to look in Zied's face and ask him if he wanted help moving without her present. And then she flipped the fuck out. Nobody's fault but yours, Rebecca. You can't continue to put yourself in the fire And then cry that you're hot. What is she doing? And you know that Zied, who has a pretty good handle on English, maybe doesn't understand the implications of everything that's being said to him. And so why are you so upset at him? For being nice and making small talk with somebody who was sitting 18 inches away from him. My God, lady, let it go. (laughs) So... She's still upset. She's still feeling some type of way. And she's like basically chastising him. And just they're on the way to um, go visit one of her sons who happens to be, I think, two years younger than Ziad. Right. So they're driving. He's driving, actually. And she's like, you know, I just want to talk about last night. And you could tell that he's annoyed 
because he's probably had to hear all night about what happens in America and how America, like she's making it seem like American women are just these lustful Lindas walking around here, you know, rubbing their clits at Zied and everybody who talks to him wants to fuck him. And she seriously tells him, (laughs) she's like, you know, it was so bad for me that I had to sit at a table with people younger than me, even though you knew that's exactly what was going to happen, girl. And there was a beautiful woman at the table because you didn't understand my insecurities. You kept talking to her. Rebecca, that's a you problem. Zied says, like, I really didn't understand what she was saying. And I didn't really get the sense that she wanted to be alone with me. Because otherwise, I would have told her no. (laughs) And Rebecca's like, if a woman... I could not believe she said this. She says, if a woman in America offers to help you with anything, you say no. Now, from my perspective... I wouldn't want to be helping a man with manual labor if I wasn't going to get some dick out of it. Okay, fair. (laughs) But also, I think the girl was just being nice. And I don't really think that she wanted to have anything to do with Zied. I think she was just being nice. Now, granted, if she did, I would probably be a little bit grateful we have something else to talk about than all of Rebecca's insecurities. But I really don't think that was the case. Ziad says, you know, women in America are more direct than women in Tunisia. Okay, these are things that are probably true. I've never been to Tunisia. But he's also been in America for like a week. And he's really (laughs) not even left the apartment He's been playing Xbox. Like, he, he, you can't expect him to know all the ins and outs of women and in a completely different co- country and a different culture than you. Like, give it up, delicious. Ugh, I can't stand her. So, in a confessional, Zied is like, yeah, was Hannah cute? Sure. But Rebecca's cuter, and I feel like she's the one for me. So, she doesn't need to worry about it. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... 
when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all. But when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health. And we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So like I said, they're on their way to meet Brandon, her son, and he's got two kids and a wife and uh, Rebecca has five grandkids. Zied clearly really likes children and he's playing with his step grandchildren, I guess. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, they're having a good time. And here we go. Like fucking clockwork, Rebecca's insecurities come in because we find out and this is sad. I'm not going to act like this is her fault. In her thirties, Rebecca had a tumor and because of where that tumor was located, she had to have a partial hysterectomy. So now she can't have children, right? She has explained this to Ziad before. She physically can't have kids. He understands this. He has told her before he got there that he's fine with it. Um, but as soon as she sees Zed with her grandkids, it like the wheels start turning into Zed wants to have children and I can't give it to him. And what if he leaves and blah, blah, blah. And so now it's like his fault that he was being nice and that he has a good rapport with children. Brandon, her son is like, you know, we have these kids and we love them and we have baby fever. Like, Zied, how do you feel about not being able to have kids? And he's like, oh, you know, I have a niece and nephew and I consider them like my children, but like, I'm fine with not having my own. No, not enough. Not enough that he said that, right? So they go to an ice cream shop and I don't know if like it was hot in there I don't know how hot it could be because you have to keep the ice cream cold. I don't know if it was hot in there or if Rebecca has been too heavily relying on dry shampoo, but I hope that she washed her hair after that because she was looking rough. (laughs) She was looking real rough and that hair was looking real grease lightning. That's neither here nor there. They're having this conversation again about the kids and God, so... Zied says, you know, of course every man wants kids, but God wants me to marry Rebecca and I'm fine with the fact that she can't have kids. And Rebecca's like, okay, well, you're fine now, but what if that changes in six months or six years? And it's like, what do you want him to say? (sighs) There, I'm very, as I've gotten older, I've gotten very particular about like questions and conversations and how we approach situations. One of the biggest things that I had to learn is, first of all, 
don't ask a question that you don't want the answer to, right? <laughs> if you know that something is going to upset you and you're going to react in a way or you're going to feel bad, like, don't ask the question because you know the conversation's going to go left because you can't handle the truth. The second thing is, don't put, understand what you're asking in the sense of, am I going to be satisfied by the answer? So when Rebecca asks him, what if you change your mind on having children in six months or six years? What are you going to do? It's like, there's nothing that he can say to that that is going to make her feel better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I were to ask a man, like... Do you want to be with me forever? And he says yes. Like, there's never going to be any satisfaction from there because he did not offer that information. You're potentially guilting him into saying things that he may or may not feel, but it's never going to be satisfactory because you were the one who started the conversation. I hope that makes sense, guys, right? So there's really, like, literally... What can he say to what if you change your mind six years from now? Then he changed his mind and that's just life, girl. You're going to have to deal with it if and when it happens at the time. Like there was nothing he could say <laughs> that was going to make the situation better. And you're just putting yourself in this tailspin because now the only honest answer to that is I don't know. And now you're sitting here upset because he can't answer a question that he literally can't answer, right? So, um, so then she says, oh my God. She says, you know, in a confessional, she starts by saying, you know, I gave him all the information about my, you know, physical situation so that he could make his own decision before he got here. Okay. So why do you keep asking him then? right? Because <laughs> eventually if you keep asking him and asking and asking him, he's he, and he says this later, he's like, I really, I like, I'm fine for now, but I don't want to keep thinking about this because it could potentially only go in a different situation, a different direction. Like it's only going to make trouble for us, right? So this is where shit gets fucking wild. Rebecca looks this man in the eye in his big old teeth and his combed back hair and says, if you wake up in a year and you tell me, Rebecca, I want children. You're not divorcing me no matter what you understand. Time, time out, time out. If I hate to make this argument, but if a man said the things that Rebecca says to Zied, they would be like, get him out of here. Boo. <laughs> Boo. She says some wild shit. How are you going to like force somebody to remain married to you if that's not really what they want? You can't do that. That's weird. That's really weird. If we saw Big Ed say that to homegirl Rose... 
girl, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, does she not see how, hear how, does she not hear herself and how psychotic and possessive that sounds? You're not allowed to divorce me? Bitch, I'll divorce you right now. <laughs> I will take this napkin from this ice cream place, write divorce and stick it right on your forehead. What? If you change your mind in a year about wanting to be in a relationship with me, you're not allowed to divorce me. Do you understand? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you, I mean, truthfully, if we saw this guy, a guy say, you're not allowed to speak to women. Women in this country are basically predators. And so you should not speak to them. Do not agree to anything that a woman ever tells you. And if you dare, if at some point down the line, you think that you're going to divorce me, you've thought wrong. It's never going to happen. That's weird. Get therapy. Ianla, please. Marriage boot camp. Hello. I know a lot of these uh, networks do a, like a... Uh, like a non-compete clause where you can't go on other networks and do shows. But I, uh, let's break that part because Dr. Drew, anybody, <laughs> anybody at all, <laughs> Dr. Zismore, the New Yorkers, y'all know who Dr. Zismore is. Somebody, somebody call 911. Interpol. I don't care if it's the actual international police or the indie rock band. Let him, take him back to Tunisia. That is weird. That is a weird thing to say. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Let's go next to uh, Yara and Jovi. Free Yara. Hashtag free Yara. Hashtag free Yara needs to be trending every single day until the end of the season. What, Jovi. What is wrong with him? So we left off with them last episode and they were in the car. Yara's pissed because Jovi gave her a bag of probably seven to nine, uh, you know, room temperature crawfish to suck on my, my pregnant and betrothed fiance. Have a blast. Um, Yara is called <laughs> Jovi a son of a bitch. <laughs> Jovi's called her stupid. We're not even out of the car yet and into the party. They walk upstairs. Jovi's got his beer and his koozie in one hand and Yara's hand in the other. Ugh. Yara's like, you know, I really thought this was going to be a small situation, but I guess Jovi's mom, Gwen, must think that 50 people is a small occasion. But you know what? She's like, at least I can see the attention to detail and all the decoration and everybody seems so happy. At least she seems like she cares about this marriage because Jovi doesn't. <laughs> He's wasted already. So Jovi's mom, this was one of the best scenes of 90 day history. Without a doubt. So fucking funny. The editors, y'all did that. <laughs> it was a plus plus. So Jovi's mom calls them up to dance. Just, you know, a fiance dance. Just the two of you guys. Probably to like, like an Ed Sheeran song or something. And Jovi's mom, Gwen, is looking from the edge with like love in her eyes and being like, you know, 
I can just tell watching Yara and Jovi together, the look in their eyes. I can see that they're in love. <laughs> then we put <laughs> Yara's mic on and she says, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> Jovi says, Yara's crazy as fuck on a normal basis and now she's hormonal. But he's also an asshole and he doesn't know what to do with her. There's one point where Jovi's mom says, I can tell they're really happy. And then Yara says, don't touch me, you bitch. To Jovi. (laughs) Gwen, you were reading this completely wrong. Imagine if she could hear her future daughter-in-law whisper in her son's ear, don't touch me, you bitch. (laughs) She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. Ugh, I wouldn't want Jovi to touch me. And he is a bitch. So then they sit down and they're eating, Jovi and Yara. And Jovi decides he has changed his mind that he actually will tell his parents now that they're expecting. So Jovi goes and gets them and Jovi's like, are you guys ready for for some news? You know, we're pregnant. Jovi's mom seems very happy. The dad, not so much. (laughs) He's like, well, I don't know. Like, don't you guys think this is a little bit early? And it's like, can you say that? You know, she's had a miscarriage. (sighs) I don't like it. I do not like that. But fortunately, Gwen is thrilled. She's so happy. She's like, I want to shout it from the rooftops. I want to say... You know, I want to tell everybody, but I know I shouldn't because I know it's early and I know that, you know, she's miscarried before and I'm going to respect that. Right. Then Yara says, you know, don't tell anybody because I want to have a glass of champagne and I don't want people to judge me. And everybody laughs. And I thought she was joking, but she wasn't. She had a glass of champagne. You know what? Her body, her choice. You know, I am under the impression that she has not. She did not have a child, so I'm not going to point to anything. That's not for me to say a thing about. And I'm sure so many keyboard warriors have gone on Twitter to say, express their feelings about Yara on that one. So I would just prefer to move on and let the footage speak for herself. Would I be drinking? No. We'll just put it that way. (laughs) Um, So... As soon as everybody gets up from that table, Jovi's like, it's fucking party time. Let's get lit. He completely leaves Yara to defend for herself. I mean, this is a party, an engagement party. Shouldn't you guys be communicating with other people, talking to each other as a couple? You should be at her side. Like, I am not a person who, like, if we go to parties, we have to be attached to each other's hips, but... Isn't that kind of the point of an engagement party to show that you guys are in love and you're so excited and you're talking to the cousins and the grandkids and your friends and the grandma and the grandpa and you guys are together because that's the whole point of the party, right? To celebrate the fact that you guys have committed to each other. So he's like, let me get a blue moon and keep them coming, barkeep, and 
we hear him say at one point, like, oh, I'm not married yet to his friends. He's having a nice little kiki, having a great old time. Like, this is just any old party. And he's just ready to get lit. It's so bad. To the point where Jovi's friends, who were at that crawfish boil, talking about, I don't think she's going to want to marry you, go up to her and are like, we're totally on your side. Why is he not here talking to you? Does he not understand what the purpose of this party is? And that gets her hype, right? (laughs) Then they also, like, they can tell that she's upset that he's just acting like this is whatever kegger, you know? And they're like, if you really didn't want him to be drinking and getting drunk and wasted at your engagement party, then he should respect that. We don't, like, they're totally on her side. So, finally... She ends up finding Jovi, who at this point can barely keep his eyes open. He's like white girl wasted. They go outside to do an interview with production. The first question that production asks is, are you guys having fun? And Yara turns to Jovi and is like, are you having fun? And he's like, yeah. He has no idea what's coming. (laughs) Are you having fun, Jovi? He's like, absolutely. She's like, well, Jovi's having fun. Because apparently this is his party to have fun and drink with his friends because that's what he's doing. And even your friends are confused about what is it that you're doing and is this a party for you or is this a party for us as a couple? Then Jovi says, welcome to pregnancy, guys. Is this all, everything is if she's so irrational and look at this crazy bitch and wow, I'm just such a victim to Yara. How dare she want to act like a couple when she moved all the way halfway across the world to be with my drunk ass. Okay. I mean, my God, if somebody had lit a bick, who knows what would have happened? I mean, he would have gone up like an old Christmas tree. Oh, he's disgusting. (laughs) He's absolutely disgusting. So then Yara goes the fuck in on him and good on you, girl. She's like, do you think a girl like me deserves somebody who behaves like you? And he was like, oh, you know, you probably don't deserve somebody as good as me. (laughs) Sir, you have teeth like a hammerhead shark. Okay. Who do you think you are in this relationship? Who is Jovi in this world? You got a lot of nerve. You got a lot of nerve. Those teeth looking like chiclets to say that you're the prize in this relationship. And I'm not even talking looks. We can. We can. Well, I was talking looks. But we can talk about other things. Your personality really isn't that great either. First of all, you only seem to be pleasant when you're a beer and a half in. And that's in the first seven minutes of you waking up. And then everything after that is a shit show. We want to talk about that, Jovi? Everything after that is you being a complete misogynistic asshole who can't even, like, for as much as he drinks, you would expect him to not be such a lightweight. (laughs) He cannot handle his alcohol at all. But also, I would have really loved if they had, like, put a beer counter, a drink counter on the corner of the screen to tell us, like, how lit Jovi was at this point. I mean, they're not going to do that because then it becomes a, why do you have this drunkie on camera? But I would have liked to know. I, I don't, TLC during the um, episodes tweets these like behind the scenes bits of information that I always forget to watch and to look at. And I don't know why it came to my memory now, but they do. And I'm, I bet 
I mean, that's really the point where they put in like the real juicy information. I don't know why I don't look at that, but I bet they said something real shady about how much he had been drinking. And you know what? With that, I'm going to pause and look at the TLC account and see if they said anything about it. Okay, they didn't specifically say anything, but based on the retweets, they seem very much on Yara's side. And I think that's all we need to say about that. So Yara says, you know, I deserve somebody better because I'm smart and I'm beautiful. And when you get married, you need to start caring about me. And especially when we have a child, you definitely need to start caring about something other than how drunk you're going to be getting that night. So that I don't need to... I don't deserve to be crying over you. I deserve to be happy. And the producer asks Jovi, like, do you feel anything? Are you upset to hear how Yara feels? And he's like, uh, no, I don't care. (laughs) So then Yara says, you know, when Jovi's with his friends, I don't matter. And the producer says, how does that feel to hear that? And he's like, like, it sucks. I don't want to hear it anymore. And then he walks away, leaving her by herself. Bitch. He's a bitch. He's a bitch. And she's right. He, she deserves way, like, everybody deserves way more than somebody who cares more about a Miller Lite than your own relationship and the child that you're about to have. Like, he, he grosses me out. Let's finish up with... Another very gross situation of Stephanie and Ryan. Wow, you guys. Wow. <laughs> so their storyline this week has a lot of very murky uh, gray area issues about consent and stealthing. If you guys don't know what stealthing is, it's when guys act like they're wearing condoms and they either take them off at some point without the person's knowledge or they never wear them and they're just completely being deceitful. It could definitely be considered a form of rape and assault and uh, yikes. I did not think, I don't think anybody knew (laughs) that this was going to be what Stephanie was upset about last week. Because we left off with them. Um, They were having a nice dinner. We get the four hours later screen. Stephanie's yelling at Ryan. Ryan's leaving. She's like, what the fuck? And so now we get the whole story. (laughs) Uh, She basically said that Ryan was out here stealthing and lied about using a condom. She was like, you know, we were about to be intimate, and then I hear the crinkle, 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 and, and you know, like he was opening a condom up, and she asked him for lube, and he said, I'm not wearing a condom. And then she flipped out, rightfully so, right? So we get back to her screaming at him while he's outside and leaving, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're just trying to embarrass me. Like, I'm going to hop in a cab. I'm getting out of here. So she goes back into the hotel. Sits down and production is like, what happened? So she said, you know, she got him those pack of condoms. She asked him to use them and they started fooling around. She was like, do you have the condoms? He said, yes. They start kissing. One thing leads to another. 
Apparently there were there was a dryness situation happening, so she asked for lube that she had purchased. And at that point he was like, Oh, I'm not wearing a condom. Because she what she said was like, I'm surprised that the condom isn't lubricated and it's not like helping, like it's really dry. And he's like, Oh, well, I just have the condom on the bed right now. Like I didn't put it on. And so she's pissed. <sighs> And I really don't want anybody to think that, like, I'm blaming Stephanie for anything, but I also could kind of understand where Ryan was coming from if what Ryan was saying was true. So, she says, you know, the reason why she brought the condom was because it had been 10 months since they had seen each other and she didn't trust the fact that maybe he had... You know, she didn't trust that he had not slept with anybody in that time period, right? So she wanted to wear a condom. That is fair. <laughs> Would I have sex with somebody that I didn't trust? No, but that was the choice that she made. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, so then we... Go back to Ryan. She says, he says that she asked, like, have you been faithful as we've seen her been asking him this whole time? He said yes, as he's been saying this whole time. And she says, you know, (laughs) it's over. (laughs) She starts crying. She says, fucking 2020 can eat my ass. So Ryan in an interview says that basically they've been doing this, like we should put a condom on, but then not doing it the entirety of their relationship. That doesn't make it okay. Well, no. Okay. Let me be clear on what he said, because I think that clarity is important, right? He says that this situation is nothing new. So that every time she comes to Belize, it's a situation of she doesn't trust him for whatever reason. And then she says she wants to put a condom on and they have never once used condoms. So I'm assuming what he was saying there is that like, I figured this was more of the same. She's known in the past that we don't use, haven't used condoms. So I thought why would now be different? Right. Um, so Ryan says, you know, like she knows deep down that I'm not cheating on her. And also, she's the one that cheated on me with my cousin, <laughs> lest we not forget. So he says, I'm done. I'm done with her, right? So Stephanie then is like, oh, Ryan left. And he didn't take everything, probably because he didn't have enough room to take everything in his bags. And oh my God, what if he took the ring that I gave him from my mom to propose to me? And she's mumbling about how she doesn't trust him. And he probably, you know, was being shifty and how, uh, you know, he probably just left everything else, but took the one thing that actually had value to her. She ends up finding the ring. Okay. Everything's fine. And then she says like a lot of problematic things. Like if you really are in a situation where you're just assuming that somebody's going to steal from you and that, you know, it just, she does not trust him one bit. So that's where I'm like, 
why are you having sex with him? Why are you in a relationship with him? Like, I just, it, it doesn't add up to me why she continues to be in a relationship with a guy that she, you know, is uncomfortable with financially supporting, doesn't trust him with her belongings. Why doesn't trust that he's being faithful to you? Like, what what is it that you guys have? That is making you want to stay in this relationship. Can anybody answer me? Like I. I don't get it. I really don't understand what her motivation is. To stay in this thing. So after Stephanie finds. The ring. She calls him. And she's like. Well I just want to thank you for not stealing the ring. Like it just felt really like. Gross. And then she says. You know I just got one question for you. Uh, why did you pretend to put on a condom and then not? And Ryan says, is that how low that you take me that, like, you don't trust me that I, you know, have been having unprotected sex with other people? And she says, well, yeah, you're lower than low. You could crawl under the building. So answer the question. (laughs) And she goes, do you really hate me that much that you couldn't give me the peace of mind of wearing a condom? And he says, how do you not trust me when you lied about my cousin? And Stephanie falls out on the bed and is like, oh, Lord, take me away. Calgon, take me away. And then she goes, you know what? Fuck off and die. And I'm going to find me a cabana boy that I got tons of nice slides and slippers and thousands of dollars of watches and clothes. And he calls her crazy and hangs up. Oh, he hung up on me. This is like weird. It's this weird, like, power dynamic there has there I mean it really feels like there's a racial dynamic to the power dynamic and I'm gonna find me another poor cabana boy to give all this stuff that I bought for you like yuck yuck why are you going around finding quote-unquote little cabana boys to be bankrolling like what it just felt like mm, it was giving Mm, you know, I, mm -mm, I did not like that. Didn't like that. So then she decides to call another little cabana boy in the form of Harris, the cousin that she fucked. Okay. So she calls him because she, you know, I just need a friend to talk to and he's always been there for me. And it's like, what do you think Harris's motivations are? Honestly, <laughs> like he seems like a creep. We've never seen him, but he seems like a whole weirdo. Do you not have actual friends, Stephanie? Actual people? Like, why would your reaction to you shouldn't be talking to him at all? If you're trying to make this relate, like, your natural instinct is to call the guy that you fucked after you break up with his cousin. Like, that's weird, girl. That's weird. So then she says, you know, as soon as he answers, she goes, is Ryan right in the head? And Harris is like, I've told you over and over again that he's not. (laughs) He's just going to say like, whatever it is. I don't know what he's getting out of this, but like he, he seems like a weird guy too. And I think she definitely must have known that, like, he's just going to say whatever to make her feel better. She's clearly, if she does have friends and she knows which ones that she should be talking to and which ones she shouldn't be talking to, 
And the ones that she clearly wants to talk to are the ones that are going to support her through whatever bullshit comes through her mind and makes her feel better about these all these poor decisions that she's been making to begin with, right? So <laughs> then she says, you know, she basically like says that Harris is a good friend to her and he's always been in her corner and she asks him if he can come over because she needs a friend to talk to face to face. And he's like, I can come over tomorrow. He promises. And then they lose connection. And <laughs> then she mumbles, my life is a shit show. <laughs> and then she decides to call Maria, Maria, the psychic who has been saying, basically using her psychic powers. And by that, I mean her listening ear to all the weird things about her relationship with Ryan. And she basically wants Maria to gas her shit up too. Right. So then she's explaining, you know, the first night Ryan was upset with me because I brought the condoms. Okay. (laughs) So to me, this is like in line with what Ryan said, which is that we never wear condoms. And if you talked about the condoms, then it would make sense. I I don't know. This is weird. And I, it's such a weird situation that I don't really want to pick sides. And I don't want to say that I kind of understand where Ryan's coming from, but like also if she specifically, like, I don't care if she, if you guys have never used condoms before, if she specifically said to you right before, like, as you guys are fooling around that you need to put a condom on, then you need to put the condom on. And you don't need to act like, oh, I don't understand because we never wear condoms. Like, it, it doesn't, if, if that's what happened, then that's what he should have been doing. Full stop, Right. So she's telling telling Maria like that she insisted on using the condoms. So but she makes it sound like she insisted the first night. And then we know that they didn't have sex until the third night. So I don't know. So they're you know, he's inside of her and she's like, you know, this condom really isn't doing the trick. Like I don't it's dry. I don't understand. And he's like, Oh, I wasn't wearing condoms. So there's no lubrication happening here. So she flipped out. Maria says, Oh, he did that on purpose and you need to get tested. And then she says, I know you're a Pisces and you love someone through thick and thin, but you're sacrificing your health and your self-worth. And this is a bunch of bullshit. She's not wrong (laughs) as a Pisces. My birthday's on Saturday, y'all. Um, she, I've never been in this situation, though, just to be clear. Um, so, <laughs> then, then uh, uh, what's, what is her name? Stephanie says, do you think I should see Harris? <laughs> and listen to what Maria said. So she says, you know, I really feel like Harris has an agenda with you. I don't know what it is, but I feel like he has one. If you really feel like you need to see him, then fine. (laughs) Then she says, you know, if there were only two men on this planet, I guess I would pick Harris, but I still don't think that he really, you know, 
is has good intentions, right? So then Stephanie's like, you know what? I, I my head is spinning. I just broke up with my fiance, and here's Harris, and you know maybe maybe it's meant to be with Harris because that's what Maria said. And that is not what Maria said. <laughs> that is not what Maria said. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> and I don't know how we went from, like, Harris is the only man for you and maybe it's meant to be. How did we get here? How did we, how did we get here, Stephanie? (laughs) How did did any of this happen? Oh, Lord. That's the end of 90 Day Fiance. Again, I just want to quickly talk about Sister Wives. Another fucking banger from the Brown family. Christine and, uh, Cody hate each other. They hate each other. So the purpose of this, it's really shocking to see. Like, I know that Christine and and Cody have had issues before, but I don't remember it being quite this deep where Christine's like, fuck everything. She has gone scorched earth and she is not hiding it. She is snarking. She does not care to be polite with him. This is what happens with when some polygamists start, (laughs) stop being polite and start getting real. And I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So the storyline for this episode is that they're going to go back to Utah. Utah where they can't live because polygamy is, is... illegal again they sued the state after they went to vegas um to make polygamy be uh uh, legal they won and then the courts went back on it not only did they go back on it they tacked on a bunch of other stuff to make it stricter so now it's like a felony and real i mean could they get caught in utah janelle explains like more than likely, they're not just going to outright arrest polygamists for being polygamists, right? But it could be a situation where they tack on a charge. So if you were pulled over for some traffic situation, then, and they find out that you're a polygamist, that you could, they're going to use that traffic charge as a way to add on the polygamy charge, right? And I guess you get three years 
for every non-legal wife, you could go to jail, right? So Cody could get nine to 12 years, depending, right? So they want to have a conversation with the Dargers. The Dargers are people who live in uh, Salt Lake. There are three wives and one husband. Two of the wives are sisters. Um, Apparently this is a very normal thing in the plague community. Um, Janelle seemed to not think that anything was weird about that at all. In fact, she says, you know, if I, you know, it's often that women will see how the husband treats one wife and be motivated to be in that relationship as another wife. And it's not weird at all that like, if I saw that my sister was being treated well by her husband, that I would want to be married to that man too. Okay. I feel like we kind of slipped that in. Like it wasn't weird. (laughs) It was. Anyway. So the point is that they, Cody wants to go all the way up to Salt Lake to go have a conversation with the Dargers about the polygamy laws. Christine, who I think many years in the past would have been totally gung ho, um, was really like me and is like, I don't understand why we can't just call them. (laughs) Why don't understand why we're doing this like whirlwind day and a half trip to Utah and back to talk to them about polygamy. I'm with you girl. The other big thing is that he wants to all go in one car and Cody keeps acting like, oh, the women, the wives don't get along and they don't like being with each other. And basically like they're just these spoiled brats and that he is just the victim, victim, victim to this, these bitches. <laughs> basically, he takes no accountability for any of his actions and his responsibilities with this fucked up situation of everybody hating each other. Like he acts like this is just all the wives and that they need to figure out on their own and leave me out of it. You dummies. (laughs) Even though two of my relationships are on its, why are Mary and Cody still acting like they want to be like, this is maddening. (laughs) Like He does not fuck with you, girl. Mary, Hear my cry. Cody does not want you, girl. He does not want to be married to you. He doesn't. And he's really just waiting for you to pull the trigger. Like, I don't understand why really he's... I mean, he has said as much, and I think this comes up in the next episode, is that they're going to be unpacking Cody and Mary's not-relationship relationship, but... We'll talk about that next week, okay? Um, wh- where, okay, so they decide to all go together and take Christine's car. Christine is really pushing for them to take two cars. And Cody's mad at her because he thinks that she's just doing it because she doesn't want to be with everybody. And that she's using this as a way to, like, separate herself. Um, not once did I hear that she said she wanted to go by herself. She just said she wanted to take two cars. So he keeps forcing the issue. He's also brought 
He's packed like a fucking real housewife of Beverly Hills for this 18-hour trip. And he's bringing all this luggage and all these hang... Like, as if we haven't seen your three pastel button-downs. And, you know, probably what was in that luggage was just a bunch of hair supplies to maintain whatever sort of perm, side, uh, shaved ponytail, whatever, all these tricks and, and illusions that you're trying to make it seem like you have a full head of hair still. You don't. Let it go, Cody. Anyway, he is overpacked and Christina's like, I think just with the stuff that you brought, it's very clear that between the five of us, <laughs> there's going to be too much luggage. So he ends up having to like repack all his shit so it's small enough. And they go. They, you know, it's her and Robin first. They go to Mary's. Mary's like, I gotta take a shit. (laughs) Cody walks in and is like screaming, Mary, 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 where are you? She says, I saw them come in and I figured this was the time for me to go to the bathroom. Like, please stop yelling at me. That's not the point really of the storyline. That was just funny. Um, So once they get there, they realize that one of Christine's tires is hissing as it's losing air. So Christine was like, well, you know, if we had taken two cars, wouldn't be a problem, Cody. So he wants to do the most difficult, nonsensical thing, which is I'm going to leave you guys at Mary's house, go and fix the tire. It's just going to be 20 minutes. I'll come back. And Christine is like, no, why don't we just leave, pick everybody up, then go to the car place because more than likely you're not going to be the only person at the car repair place and it's going to be more than 20 minutes. Like it's not just going to be an in and out. So that's what they end up doing. He's flipping out because, Oh Mary, oh please wipe, go wipe. Let's go. We have to run. We can hear the tire hissing and you know, you guys are just making it so difficult for me and why can't I just go and come back? So they go and lo and behold, Um, they find out that because whatever car Christine has, she has like an SUV, they don't have a tire that large to replace it. There was a nail in the tire, they can't patch it, and they also can't, you know, they can't use the car. And they told them, just go, if you can take another car, take another car, leave the car here. Proving Christine's point altogether. And the other thing was that he didn't want to take the uh, Robin's minivan because he doesn't think they're cool, right? And we know that that's true. Like, he know that he wanted to... Whatever car Christine has is quite a nice car. You know he wanted to show up with the Dargers at the Dargers' house with this nice car and all my wives and look at us and, like, present like they're this perfect family in this beautiful white car. And then they got to trek it up to Salt Lake in Robin's minivan, which I'm sure she's, like, one of those people who never... It probably smells. It's probably got smushed in graham cracker and goldfish and juice spilled all over the floor. Like Robin just has that energy, right? Like she's always in a tizzy and she never has time to clean the car. It's probably disgusting and it smells like old cheese that's under a, a one of the seats, right? So they get there and <laughs> Mary, Mary's like basically tells on... Cody and is like, you know, it just makes me say it sad that like, you know, now that we're in Arizona, Cody really doesn't have any friends. 
that he can talk to about polygamy. Like, he really just doesn't have friends, but she cleaned it up real quick. Good save, Mary. She's like, I, it just makes me sad that, like, clearly, like, he is so desperate for attention and for somebody to give this positive reinforcement and for somebody to be like, oh, we think you guys are so great that he feels the need to go all the way to Utah to get his proverbial dick what rubbed by this Darger family, right? The Darger family who seems, you know, a lot more healthy and happier than the Browns currently are or have ever been, to be honest. They're trying, and by they, I mean the Browns, are trying so hard to make it seem like, oh, we're just light and bright. We're, you know, we have our quirks, but we're still a happy family, right? Just like you guys, right? No. There was a point where he and Mary are having a conversation and or he's having a conversation about how like all the women ask a lot of questions or they ask a lot of him and Mary says, I don't ask anything of you. And he's like, well, this is your fucking bitch and I don't like you. I mean, basically that's what they're saying to the point where Robin it literally makes a human shield out of her own body and is like, we're not having this conversation in front of this family. Let's keep it. Keep it cute, guys, or put it on mute. I mean, it just like the passive aggressive things keep coming and they keep having to like divert the conversation back to pleasantries. And it seems like the Dargers seem like a dark and twisted family on their own. I don't really want to get into it. I don't need to get into that. Why that man looks like Mr. Clean, but like a perv. Um, it's it was just weird. Is there anything else? I mean, basically, just like, Christine is done. <laughs> She's done. She does not want to be with this man anymore. She is being a petty Betty, and she can't take it anymore. She cannot take it. And it was hilarious to me. Because, honestly, Christine is... <sighs> I mean, it's like, how can anybody like Mary? <laughs> so I can't even really count Mary as somebody that... I can rank as like who of my favorite wives because Mary's just like, you know, like if Cody's not going to count her as part of this family, like why should I, you know? So to me, it's like Janelle number one. And then Robin and Cody were, Robin and Christine were like equal to me, but for different reasons. Like Robin is just like, Ugh, please somebody get this woman a Kleenex, like go in the room. Like, Ugh. I always say this, like, you know, shaking Yorkie in the rain in the corner. Like, she's just like, ugh. Like, ugh. Ugh. Just like a like a wet baguette. I just like, this useless, you know? And it's clear that she's like running this whole relationship. And by the relationship, I mean the one she has with Cody, but also the one with all of the other wives. And I, I just, I just don't like her. I just don't. And I also feel like if we're, can we really talk about this? Like all last season, we saw those poor girls, her daughters, riddled with anxiety, riddled with it. And then we see how often Robin seems to be involving them, the daughters, in all of the drama, in her marriage issues, the stuff with the house. And it's like, it just pisses me off because... I just feel like a lot of their anxiety can be assuaged by her leaving the kids out of it. And, like, it's truly no wonder that they're just, like, constantly on the fucking brim when their mom is always crying. Always crying about something that they have no, like, 
they really need to not be so involved in her grown folks business, truthfully. Where am I going with this? The reason why I didn't like her scene is really a lot of it, like 95% of it is because I just don't like her voice. (laughs) I just don't like her voice. And like the other 5% is just that like, I think she's corny. I mean, Christine is completely harmless. It's not like I don't like her, but it's also like, I don't like her. You know, she's just not for me. She seems perfectly nice, but she also just seems like so fucking corny. And I just like, can't, I can't do it. So to now see her be like, basically two middle fingers up, like, I can't, I'm not going to act like this is a relationship that I want to be in. I, I love to see it. And so she is now number two behind Janelle. Okay. That's it for me. Um, was there anything else to say? I don't think so. I'm really excited to see Robin try to like, I'm a good woman and I really want Cody and Mary to stay married in this relationship and our family culture and this is our family. And like, they have a shot in hell. They don't fuck with each other. They don't. So I'm I'm excited to see her martyr herself into this like complete dysfunction. So thank you guys so much. Like I said, my birthday's coming up. So if you... Did not hear. I'm in full birthday bitch mode. I'm being bossy and, you know, I'm being really bossy in the form of if you have not given me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that is the greatest gift that I can get. So please, if you can, I'm not above begging. It's my birthday, bitch. So if you can give me a five-star review on Apple, it would be very much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Be back next week. Love you.